Welcome, 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 everyone. My name is Joe, aka Joe, the wellness curator, and this is the Obsidian Mindset Podcast, where we are redefining our definition of wellness. This is episode two, titled My Body, so let's just jump right into it. Our first segment is quotes and affirmations. Just like I like to start my day, I like to start every episode with a quote or affirmation. What's the purpose in doing this? Well, affirmations are just positive statements that help you when you're feeling challenged or if you want to overcome self-sabotage or negative thoughts. That's it. It's basically just a vibe, a good vibe. You're just telling yourself some good vibes before you start the day or while you're experiencing something so that you can set yourself up for success. Remember, remember what I say, words matter. So today's affirmation is I get to choose the body that makes me feel joy, strength, and power. Once again, today's affirmation, I get to choose the body that makes me feel joy, strength, and power. So I really want you to sit with that. Just take a second, close your eyes, and just repeat it. Let's repeat it together. I get to choose the body that makes me feel joy, strength, and power. Breathe in for four. Exhale for four. All right. Just doing this nice little breath. Take the time to be present. Just be here. You're probably doing stuff all day. Running around, focusing on family, career, life, because life is just lifing, right? But you deserve, even if it's for a couple seconds, for you just to be with yourself. What's your mind been saying that you haven't been listening to? What's your body's been saying that you haven't been listening to? We're going to start dedicating some time just so that you have time, even if it's while you're listening to this podcast, that you are able to be present and sit down and be with yourself. And we'll do this during the affirmation section. We did a nice little breathing, two second breathing session, um, but we'll definitely do more going forward. Now, before we start. I'm going to be real with you that this was not the original second episode planned. Um, When it comes to my body, body insecurities and body dysmorphia, it's probably one of the few aspects of my wellness journey that I rarely speak about. After I spoke on a panel earlier this year about visualization, I realized that my beliefs and my journey with my own body has impacted not only how I see myself, but my whole approach to fitness and wellness. From that point, I realized I wanted to be more authentic about it. I was told a while back that when you show up powerfully and authentically, you give people around you permission to do the same, especially when they can't see that possibility themselves. Right. Um, And, you know, as this podcast continues, as Obsidian, the brand continues, I hope that you see that what we're trying, you know, and this is why words matter, not trying what Obsidian is doing with your help is we are creating a community where we are encouraging and promoting being vulnerable and authentic, especially in the wellness community. And no better time to start than now, friends. And I might as well start it off, right? (laughs) Um, So first, I want to jump right into our next segment, which is called Deep Dive Questions. So for this segment, I will answer a prompt that was created by Obsidian. The prompt will contain two questions. The first will be a lighter question or a question that will get us thinking, trying to like warm them up a car, warming up the car. So it's nothing too heavy, something light. 
Um, and then the second question, that's when we'll go a little deeper and we'll start being a little bit more reflective. And this is a question you usually have to journal. All right. So today, you ready? Today's deep dive question. The first one is, do you have an idea of an ideal fitness or wellness weight or body type for yourself? Ooh, all right. Um, so for me, my ideal like wellness type at the moment is based off my energy as well as some benchmarks that I have for myself. I know it sounds corny, but I try not to let the scale rule me um, like I did so much for a lot of my journey. Uh, I can do a quick assessment of my physical wellness just based off like certain things uh, from like, let's say, walking upstairs or my pace of walking outside. Uh, so I really try to use these like quote unquote everyday benchmarks to kind of see where I'm at. Like even there's a lake that's right by me that's surrounded by the park. Um, it is so beautiful. It's around five miles. So depending on like how winded I am and how quickly I can go around there, that's how I assess how I'm doing physically. Um, so on a good day, let's say, so for me, I like to rate all my workouts between one and 10. So let's say if I can rate a workout nine or 10, if I'm having like a nine or 10 kind of day, then I could probably do the track around the lake with a seven twenty minute mile pace. Um, on a bad day, like a day that I'm like, blah, it'll probably take me like 10 minutes per mile. Um, and I might only do two miles or I might do a piece of it. Um, so like little assessments like that help me kind of figure out where I am. It's like a, I call it like a wellness baseline without relying on the scale. Um, because, you know, there was a number I was always trying to fixate on, like Moby Dick, right? Like I wanted to get to two, I think 225 so badly. Uh, and I, because I think this is what the doctor said I should have based on my BMI. Um, but, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm trying to reprogram myself to not focus on the number uh, that people, you know, like stop focusing on that number. Because, you know, I hate the BMI because it's low key sexist and racist. But we could talk about that another time. <laughs> um, so let's dive deeper into the second question, shall we? So what external factors influence this ideal? So some examples are media society and culture, upbringing, parents, etc. Who? All right. So, I think I can I think I explained some of this the last episode, but it was my own journey that influenced this. Um, I have also found friends and community of active folks or people that are like in the same mindset has helped with this uh, or at least reprogramming it. And I've also tied a lot of my physical wellness to internal factors such as energy, joy, vibe, um now, I know that sounds easy enough and very kumbaya, but getting to this ideal was not something I read or saw in society while on my own uh, wellness journey, right? Like, this ideal is relatively new for me. I would say approximately maybe a year or two ago. Before that, my focus and visualization of physical wellness was very different. Uh, but I wasn't, it wasn't until recently or some recent like reflections and even therapy that I was able to kind of shift my mindset and really have these less external factors and more internal factors. Um, so I'm going to go down a little memory lane and we're going to discuss. Uh, so, and I think this kind of hops into the bigger topic of my body and um, some other interesting topics perfectly. So as I mentioned in the first episode, I developed asthma when I was about five years old. I was actually talking to my mom on the phone yesterday about this, and we were trying to pinpoint like when it happened. So it must have been somewhere when I started entering public school. 
Um, so that might be something. But, you know, there there's so many other things that might have contributed to it. So can't say that for sure. But, you know, that's there. As a result, I started taking inhalers and some medication. Um, and unfortunately, some of the inhalers and medication had steroids in it. Now, we have a little Joe, the wellness curator with asthma, learning he would rather play video games in the computer than being active. I started gaining weight during my early childhood and adding more medicine with steroids to me in puberty is not a good combo. Uh, many boys will develop gynecomastia, also known as male breasts, due to taking steroids during puberty um, or maybe a hormone imbalance or something around that nature. So imagine going through puberty with another struggle like that and what survival techniques and what struggles had to be in endured during that period. Because you know these kids is cruel. Um. Now, with that all in mind, on January 23rd, 2011, as we discussed, that was the day that my journey started. And, you know, I described going to the gym. I was over 350 pounds with gynecomastia. So if you ask me that day what my ideal weight or body would be, it was going to be like a Terry Crews. You know what I mean? Like, we all have that idea of a, a body, at least for me. Um, and it's just like, whew, you want the shoulders to be popping. You want the abs. You want the you want the chest to be chesting. You know what I mean? Like, you just want the lines. You want the, you want the, you know, the D'Angelo lines. I'm not, I don't think I got to describe it anymore, but the D'Angelo lines. Um, so anyway, that was like my ideal look. And for like seven years, I was just chasing it, literally and figuratively, right? Like, I was literally in the gym on that treadmill trying to chase that dream. I hit the gym hard and I ate like very strict, um, but about eight years, six marathons, a handful of half marathons and runcations and obstacle courses. I was feeling close, but I was never there. There was always something. My arms were jacked. My legs were popping. My thighs were chef kiss. But the chest, it was just not it was always a point of contention for me. Um, and I often it often affected how I viewed myself in my journey. Right. I would think I'm doing so well. And then we get to the chest area and nothing. And just like, and what am I doing this for? There was a lot of judgment I was putting on myself because you would see other people just thriving, right? Like you see yourself doing well, but they're doing better. And, you know, that gets into like external factors and comparing yourself, right? So me thinking about this, I don't even think at this time about my, my current wins, right? I don't think about everything I've achieved. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get to that that ideal that I made up in my head, right? Um, so ultimately, that led to a lot of like the body dysmorphia, body insecurities, and just body issues that I had or I've been dealing with, or at least has been exacerbated. So I really want to hit that point before I move on and kind of talk about what body dysmorphia is and some of that stuff. So a lot of these things, body issues, body dysmorphia, those were all present before I started my weight loss journey, my wellness journey, weight loss journey. But in my head, I thought, you know, once I release all this weight, it's all going to be fine. I'll figure it out. I'll have a popping body. There'll be nothing else to worry about. But it was actually almost the opposite. These issues were not going away. When I said I was trying to run, I was trying to run away from a lot of these things, figuratively and literally, I thought I would be able to diet my way out of this work my way out of this, squat my way out of this. But there was a lot of work that I had to do internally 
to kind of get out of this. So let's talk about what body dysmorphia is, because you'll hear it a lot, um, especially on social. You might hear it from um, a few other people, experts and influencers. But body dysmorphia is basically a mental health disorder in which you can't stop thinking about one or more perceived deflections or defects, rather, or flaws in your appearance. A flaw that appears minor or something that someone can't even see. But you feel so embarrassed, ashamed, and anxious that you may avoid many social situations. So even though I'm talking about this during like physical wellness episode, this, if you look at the eight dimensions, this almost touched each one for me. So we're talking social wellness and dating or going to the beach with friends. These are things you think about when we're talking mental wellness even vocational wellness and how I showed up in the professional field, body image. Think about how much body and your perception of your body is, is brought up in a professional field. Even if it's not explicitly brought up, how you should dress, what you should look like. Will this get me a, uh, a promotion, right? These things are things that you think about. Now, a little on body dysmorphia and uh, just having issues with the body insecurities, the reason why I'm talking about this is because there it affects a lot of people. Um, there's a misconception that there, it's more common up amongst women. Um, but if you look into the studies, there is usually a slight edge of women are dissatisfied with their body over males. But if you look at dysmorphia in particular, it is literally the same rate amongst men and women, if not a little bit more towards males. I believe the male perspective isn't shared often, and I think there's a few reasons, especially in a lot of communities such as the black community. I believe there's a stigma of this condition in whatever way it shows up, especially in men, as a sign of weakness. You need to handle it by yourself before someone finds out or they try to weaponize it, right? You need to figure it out and fix it before someone exploits it because it's a weakness. As I said, we are trying to redefine all of that, including our language um, including things that we consider quote-unquote weak or what we call quote-unquote masculinity or masculine. So let's start uh, unpacking that. Um, so one of the things that I saw while researching for this, um, I came across two articles, and I'll put them in the show notes, but in this article by uh, Donnie Moreland, he noted the following. So Stephen Underwood notes, to be frail in a black space is to be seen as less than black. I want to take this argument one step further to suggest this quote-unquote black space as a temporal space from which our self-image is not only informed by the immediacy of interpersonal interconnections and interactions, but unseen historical impressions and multispatial psycho-emotional navigation to include the digital. Whew, all right, so let's dive into what all that meant, because um, I felt that. So basically, we're aligned in saying that the premise that your self-image is not only dictated by your relationships, but also by our past, which includes trauma and what is around us, what we see, including digital, a.k.a. social media. Right. Um, and he was really coming from the, the black perspective, especially black male perspective. And if we aren't careful about what is around us and what we are subconsciously and consciously absorbing, we're going to find ourselves in doubt of our own self-image and misinterpret it. Moreland continues by using the Luther Vandross as a good anecdote about what is going on um, in this space. 
So first off, let me just tell you, I love me some Luther Vandross, okay? Let, let's just make that clear. Um, but what he goes on to say is, as a performer, Luther Vandross' contributions to the form and to the art are rarely spoken about with proper regards. And yet so much of his public life was observed within the vocabulary of body politics. The adjectives of quote-unquote big and quote-unquote skinny were placed in front of his name to denote his performance value by those who contended at, the, at one weight he was more capable than at another weight. For us, his weight and his body were as much ours to excess of appropriateness as his music. Wow. Well, when I read this, it automatically brought me back to my first month of high school. Um, you know, I was a reserved, heavy set kid, you know, smart, stuck to the books, but I wanted to be included and fit in just like any other college or a high school student. I wanted to get rid of some of the, the baggage of junior high school and rebrand as the older kid, you know, the cooler, older kid, um, with, in that group of friends. So, you know, I ended up hanging out with a group of freshman boys that really brought me in, you know, to the outskirts of the group. Cause you know, that's where I thrived. Um, as an introvert with body pro body uh, insecurities, I wanted to be in, but not too, too in, you know what I mean? Um, so everyone in that group had a nickname. So I patiently waited to get one, waited my turn. And, you know, I didn't rush it, tried to play it cool. But, you know, I was waiting. I was waiting for that day. So imagine walking into the cafeteria with them. And one day the guy, one of the guys nonchalantly says, you know what? We should name you Big Joe. You know, this is during the time of like Fat Joe and, you know, Terror Squad. And then I was just like, hmm. I was excited to be included, but to be a boy that was smart and joyful, to be reduced to Big Joe, it stayed with me, right? And even now when someone calls me that, you know, and it's not even in any malicious way, it's because I'm literally 6'2", and I'm muscular and kind of thick. Even then, that that term just always brings me back to my inner child and having to think about myself in that cafeteria and, you know, it's just like he wanted acceptance and he wanted not to be frail. So that's that quote really just brought me back to a space where, you know, you don't want to be reduced to one word, one adjective, especially in terms of your weight, where you feel like it's mine and I want to be able to control it. But at the same time, when there's others using adjectives that might not even align with what you thought it is. Right. That's one of that. That's always such a a hard thing to deal with is when your the interpretation that you're being perceived as is does not line up with your own self-image. And then what do you do with that? So fast forward about 15 years later, you know, I'm in my wellness journey. I'm maybe like five or six years into it. And I'm feeling like I'm at my peak wellness. My, but my chest is not to my liking. Right. Um, so at this point, I did two things that changed my outlook on my physical wellness. First, I went to get a consultation for surgery. After listening to two consultations, two surgeons, um, and thinking about the risk and the price if I wanted to get the, the uh, surgery on the male breast, I decided that's not, at the time, that's not what I wanted. Um, you know, it's not off the table, but at this point to me, I didn't want it, uh, just based off some of the things that were discussed. And then the second thing is I also started going to therapy. And doing more self-reflection and meditative work and journaling. Um, so we'll probably touch more about this in the mental episode. Uh, but that's kind of where I was after that. So 
this chapter of my journey really had me look deep and figure out what wellness actually was for me, right? Like, what did I want to come of this that did not have anything to do with abs and chest and these other ideals? Like, what was my version of wellness? That, that's where I was at that point. What made me feel happy? And why did I f- actually enjoy fitness and wellness? I think this is when I really started exploring outside of running in the gym, what I like to do. Uh, So I started doing hiking. I started doing axe throwing. I started doing pole dancing and African dance classes just to spice it up and see what I like. Because, you know, at the gym and when I was running, there's always these metrics. I need to get down to seven miles per hour. I need to be able to squat uh, 300 pounds or be able to squat my own weight. But sometimes I just wanted to have fun, right? And, you know, I could do I still have fun when I run and lift. And that's like my own meditative space. But sometimes I want to bust a real wine at the African dance class. Right. Or, you know, just do play soccer or do something that was fun or at least I perceived as fun. And you know what that starts to do? That started to change my focus of let's worry less about what the physical wellness looks like and focus more on what it feels like. Come on. Let me talk. Let me say that one more time. Let's focus less about what it looks like. And focus more about how it feels, right? How I felt after doing a hard African dance class or a hard African routine or holding my weight on a on like a the pole from um, pole dancing, which I'll tell you, let me tell let me tell you, pole dancers are you we put some respect on their names because that that art is not easy. When I tell you my chest was hurting at least for two days after an introductory class insane but anyway so that feeling after doing that hard class or being able to achieve something in the pole dancing class it felt amazing right it felt amazing and that was something that i wanted to be able to tap into whenever i'm working out that's that feeling i want to be able to feel like yes my body did something amazing but i also feel amazing and i'm getting results in the in the in the same time as well i'm burning these calories but i'm having fun so this is where I revisualize, revisualize. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to run with it. I revisualized um, and redefined what my physical wellness was. Like, don't get me wrong. I still have those days where I overanalyze and critique, but it's continuously making a choice and focusing on the feeling and not the look. And, you know, it's honestly, it's a blessing to be feeling well and happy, especially in these times. So you really have to be uh, be very you practice gratitude with this. So, yeah, we spoke a lot. So with that, I just want to welcome the last segment of every episode, which will be the action prompt. We are we set the groundwork, right? We got our intentions. We did some deep reflections and visualizations. So now it's time to get to action. Let's do it. I'm hype. You hype? I'm hype. Um, so let's get together and let's see how we can improve our over or let's uh, let's get together and see how we can improve our overall wellness one day at a time. So today's prompt is try a new or different form of physical fitness or activity and see how it feels. That's it. That's the ask for this week. So if you normally run, if you normally swim, if you know that you go to the gym, try something different. Let's go onto YouTube and find a nice little African dance video and let's do it, right? If you like to go hiking, let's go hiking. If you want to play dodgeball, 
Well, just watch out. But <laughs> if you're going to do dodgeball, please play respectively and calmly. But have fun and get that sweat in. And there's no reason why you can't get creative with wellness. Let me come, come, come close. Come close. Let me tell you a little secret. Wellness does not have to be boring or monotonous, right? It does not have to be a chore. It is, could be anything that you define as wellness as long as you're having fun. Period. Um, so I want to see this, though. I want to see. I, we are a community, so I want to see you do this. I want to see you get up and enjoy your wellness. So please feel free to take pictures and videos and tag me on IG at the Obsidian Mindset. And let's do this together. Whew, we did that. What a conversation and episode. I hope you guys were able to enjoy. Thank you all for tuning into the Obsidian Mindset Podcast. I hope you were able to leave here and pick up a few gems that were dropped on the way, or at least we're just here to enjoy the stories. I also am a big fan, like I said, of collectivism. So please feel free to subscribe to this podcast across all the platforms and follow me on IG at Obsidian Mindset, as well as following my personal IG since you're there, Joe, the Wellness Curator. Also, if you have any feedback, any questions, or you just want to say, hey, what's up? <laughs> feel free to email me. My email is joe at joethewellnesscurator.com. So lastly, let me just tell y'all, this is not a one-man show. You might just hear me, but there is a lot that goes on behind it. So I got to give out my shout-outs. Special shout-out to Auckland House, who is helping so much with the awesome audio. Shout-out to my niece, Ayana, of the A-League Company for curating that amazing playlist that y'all be hearing after every episode. Please, please, please check that out on Spotify. It is fire. Fuego. Um... Also, shout out to my other niece, Makita, a.k.a. Mott, who definitely helped with the intro and outro. The beats are fire, fuego. Um, <laughs> shout outs to Sahani Karani, who is definitely dope with her illustrations. She is helping with the podcast covers. Also, shout outs to Sunday Group, who is helping with the branding and strategy and advising me, as well as my larger Obsidian team. Man, I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And once again, I say this with the honor Thank you for picking you today. Peace out, y'all.